Hello, I'm Martin Mercer. And I'm James Mastriani. You've never heard of us. We're two Brits who grew up in North London and have had varying success in the film and television industry. In our ever-advancing age, we find ourselves on... The The Wrong wrong Side side of of Hollywood. Hollywood. In our series of podcasts, we'll share our experiences of what it's like being a British bloke living and working... Or not. ...in the biz. We'll discuss everything from fish and chips to things that wind us up. So stay with us. It's all uphill from here. This podcast may contain strong language. If you're of a sensitive nature or easily offended, we invite you to, as they say in Blighty, jog on. Welcome back. Part two of our interview with James W. Bates. Yes, and an interesting side note was that August 28, 2023 was the 30th anniversary of the premiere episode of Power Rangers. Fabulous. Let's get into it. Yes. I had to go into my boss's office and go, so it's 6 p.m. on such and such date. And they say, yeah, we haven't picked you up. You're under contract. So that's it. It's like, ta-da, I'll pack your bags. Well, that's the thing. It's like, oh, no, you don't have to leave. You can stick around. They huh? didn't necessarily yeah. have the plan. So I actually picked an end date two weeks later. And I left that day. But the company with new producers had picked up another 40 or 80 episodes of Timon and Pumbaa. Mm. They got a big order for a bunch more. And I think it wasn't going to go to CBS. It was going to go elsewhere. But they'd done a lot of stories. These were new head writers. And the original show had its own team. And those people all went off to do other shows Mm. they were having trouble getting premises well hey i was suddenly a freelance writer so i pitched 10 premises and four of them got approved there you go Hmm. because i knew the show i was the exec on the show so you did four pitches that got picked up but now you were freelancing did that mean you were still doing the same job, but you were actually getting paid better. It was maybe better, oh, well, but you didn't have the health insurance, of No, course. I was no longer an employee. Right. I was a freelance animation writer. Right. But I knew the format, and I had new animation writing being different. I knew that show, but they were different story editors. Mm. And the funny thing is, is the show was a little different, and I had in my mind what the show should be. It was a challenge because these were new writers. They were good writers, but they were not the same spirit as the team and the show that had existed. And I think some of my stuff didn't go through, even though I knew it should have. Right. Because I gave notes on this show. Right. It's my show, you know. Right. And so, like, my favorite episode that I wrote, the final product looks nothing like my script. Mm. The most tame of them was shot almost word to word for what I wrote. Mm. <laughs> wow. And it's, it's just sort of things. lore, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the other thing is, in the process, in animation, shows were starting to be more storyboard based you know mm. but at this point they still followed the script mm. but because my experience being an animation exec who gave notes i kind of knew how to write for animation mm. it's interesting because i still love that show i'm part of the lion king franchise sorry but you yeah. i gotta get in there oh i'm babbling, it's tough you you're a tough one you are no. But, um <laughs> Yeah. No, but I didn't notice. I certainly didn't know about you. Got in there at a quite a high position. Mm-hmm. You'd had a taste of that. And now, boom, you find yourself in the freelance world, mm-hmm. part of these great IPs. Oh, yeah. And this is obviously before the next great IP you joined, which is Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. So how does this get you to there? How long was that period of time? And what Okay. Happened? Well, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the next great IP I joined. Oh, okay. The saving grace in my life, and the only reason I think I still exist, is my wife. Oh, sweet Karen. She's perfect woman, except for one fatal flaw. She married you. Horrible taste. Yeah. Horrible judgment. (laughs) Horrible judgment when it comes to men. Right. I'll skip that stuff other than the fact that I fooled her to move out here. But she moved out here. She bought this. She bought a young... (laughs) A young, slightly, maybe 
maybe a little overweight Disney executive with lush hair and huge future. And uh, it was the hair that within a year of her moving out, (laughs) I'm a freelance animation writer. (laughs) But bait and switch. (laughs) But at that time in Philadelphia, she's an illustrator and she puts together textbooks. She worked that kind of work. So when she came out here, she had a skill. But as an artist, one of her favorite people in the industry was Matt Groening from The Simpsons. Mm. Well, again, through the trades, I'm an advertisement for the trades. You are. At the end of my time at Disney, I'm looking in the trades trying to find a job, right? right? And I see a job for a graphic artist. So, you know, I made a photocopy of that and took it home. And so she applied and she got a call for the curiosity company and that was matt graining the simpsons his publishing arms mm-hmm. she eventually got the job there she's a comic book letterer but also does layout for the calendars and all that kind of stuff so here's one of the few times i've ever used the old nepotism slash whatever <laughs> during my down period they got to know me i'm part of the family at her company and they started doing strips for the london times oh. simpson strips i say yes my local paper <laughs> three to five panel simpson stories right. and didn't really pay much or anything but it was also kind of low risk and i had a little bit of experience there with storyboards mm. or whatever they let me do a few of those. So hold on there. So Matt Groening, if I'm saying that properly, is... Graining. You're not, but it's okay. Oh, graining. You're groaning. Graining. Graining. Gra- Matt uh, gra- Groening. Yes. He created Simpsons. He did Hell. Life in Hell. Yeah. But when this syndication comic strip came along, are you saying that you actually wrote this? He would then see it? I mean, that's quite fascinating so, to me. How did that yeah, work? Yeah, so Uncle Matt... Um, <laughs> no. But for the Simpsons comic strip, he wasn't writing those. Right. And he had two series of comic books for the most part. Well, mainly it was Simpsons comics. Mm. And they were not copies of the episodes, but they were like an episode story Mm. and some shorts. And they were, lucky for me, looking to branch out to do shorter stories because he loves little Lulu and classic things. Mm. So he wanted to do like a Bart Simpson book. Mm. But before that, hey, we have this gig doing these short shorts. And because I had an in, I had written on Timon and Pumbaa. I was a Disney guy. Oh, yeah, Karen's husband wants to pitch us some stuff. And I pitched some stories, Mm. but I got my foot in the door. Mm. So when it came time for them to do the Bart Simpson comics... It started gelling that I was somebody that they might be able to go yeah. to. And so I had proven myself enough that you know, I didn't totally botch it on the shorts. Again, they're not brilliant. Yeah. Otto's Magic School Bus. Yes, I did. Uh-huh. Five panel polarity there. But um, <laughs> comic books are like 28 to 32 pages generally. And mm. these stories were 10 pages. Right. But yeah, I ended up writing in issue one. So I had like an eight to 10 page story in the very first issue. Mm, nice. And I got in. Because of who I knew. Yeah. <laughs> the old wife. Wow. But I uh, I must have done something right because over the next 15, 16 years, I did close to 40 stories mm-hmm. for them, including full length Simpsons mm. books. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of Simpsons yeah. stuff, isn't it? How do you yeah. keep well, it fresh? The show's now up to 800 episodes, 30 plus years. <sighs> yeah. Unbelievable. But when I started writing on it, they already had 200, 300. So you have to come up with stories that they yeah. haven't done. You're not uh, doing their stories. You're... Right. And but because of the stories like on the TV show, I hate to say it. I'm sorry I was never a fan of it. Uh-huh. That's nothing to do with the show. It's to do with my lack of wherewithal. But I never tuned into it. But the thing is, is I do remember people were always to. I mean, this is back in the 90s mm-hmm. when I was living in Texas and it oh, was very relevant. 
Yeah. And Simpsons was this thing that almost foretold the future with many of it, sure. the whole Donald Trump business. That was quite a feat. You were involved with all that, I'm taking it. Well, over no, those I, years, I, I never worked on the television show. Oh, okay, okay, just the comics. But the challenge, though, yeah. is that TV show has done everything. Right, okay. But they continue to do fresh stuff, yeah. and you know, still to this day. But having to come up and pitch a story that you're not just copying what they've done, mm. I must have done something right, because I did a lot of them. Yeah, that's a lot. That company is called Bongo Comics. It was a good company, and they would rely on me, but it was also a different discipline. Mm. But I wasn't getting consistent work. Mm. And so writing my own feature screenplays again, a little bit of the comics, but the actor, William Cat had me develop a sitcom with him. So at Disney, I told you my second year, one of the guys I was friends with, very ambitious, smart guy, his name's Brian. We would go to lunches and commiserate about our day. So I'm two years into my writing career, writing stuff that I'm not making any money on. And one day I'm watching true Hollywood story about some sitcom actor and I'm like, ah, life. <laughs> I get a call out of the blue from Brian, mm. who has now been climbing the executive ladder. The way I see it is they had an opening at Fox Kids. Someone had left. They needed a guy to take over some action shows. Now, it could have been that maybe these were the action shows nobody else wanted to work on. James is nodding his head, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> so can you come down? I don't know. I already have the job. Mm. I just have to meet yeah. Brian's boss, but they basically needed someone. Oh, so you weren't going down there wondering if you were going to be employed. No, I you didn't know. I didn't know oh, for right. sure. Oh, okay. Because remember, at Disney, I was development associate. Mm. And I was actually doing kind of a job of the manager. I just hadn't officially been given that job. Yeah. So they're bringing me in as associate director mm. because you have to go up a level. Mm. And I'm being offered a job. And again, I had sold two and a half features at that point. Yeah, I'm not going to turn down a day job. No. And the thing is, Kim Christensen and Brian, they knew me. They knew how hard I worked and they were like, they needed someone. Mm. The thing is, is that it wasn't necessarily their departments that I was going That's to work for. That's what got me. <laughs> so I come into the building and I'm handed these shows and I won't name names or anything like that. I see these shows. There are some things new to me. This is the better thing. As soon as I get into the animation writing, so much of the work was going to these Japanese shows that were being revoiced. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm. have any experience on that. Yeah. But I was given a few of those to work on as an executive. Mm. So I had to learn that discipline. But I realized all these character names, the guy before me never cleared them. Oh. And then there was another show. It was a big show for Fox Kids called NASCAR Racers, which is kind of a synergy partnership with NASCAR. Mm. And it's very much kind of like Power Rangers without fighting monsters. But it's racers. Each one had a different color car, very diverse cast. And it was good natured adventures. Mm. And that was handed to me, too. It's just kind of boom. But the people I knew that hired me, I wasn't working with. They were on the other end of the hallway. That's strange, isn't it? But I get stuck in an office between this really great guy, Dave McDermott. Oh, yeah. Who good lad. Dave is a giant of a man and a giant of a personality. Sweetest guy you'll meet. And then there's some British guy in the other office next to me. Oh, so he was there before you. Mm -hmm. This is where he gets bitter. Because he was there because of me. Because I, I got him in there. He's going to uh -huh. fact check later about yeah. this. Because so, if, if it wasn't for me getting him a job when he came here. Well, yeah. see, so I'm brought in as associate right. director off the street. I'm not going to say anyone's bitter about the fact. <laughs> I mean, you've had that twice. I mean, it's amazing to come into yeah. that position. When you were associate director straight off the street, he was a, you were, what were you? I was, was manager of program and development. And the right. thing is, I had been Dave's assistant. Right. And this position of coordinator came up. I'd been Dave's assistant for six Oh, yeah, months. coordinator. We didn't have coordinator at Disney. Right. But coordinator is 
below manager, yeah. but a very important job. So yeah. I'd gone from Dave's assistant to coordinator in six months. And then six mm. months after that, I was promoted to manager of programming development. And then six months after that, James gets hired as associate director, which is next step up. And I'm yeah. like, but I had been manager at Disney. Right. So that's so why he was brought like in. I, I, and also he had a degree. Ah, I told you about that. So did Guy. <laughs> well... <laughs> Mr. Cranky, uh, better, the education. Mr. Cranky Bitterpants also doesn't understand that yeah. the job he was in, I also had at Disney. Right. Now, in all honesty, he was working on much more successful shows. I'm sorry, can he? What? Oh, he, <laughs> no, this is true. He, he, did I say necessarily better? No, he was working on much more successful shows. Right. And that's not his fault. See, so this is where things get interesting. <laughs> my friends, everyone, my friends. <laughs> I think James and I, oh, this sounds bad. I was going to say yin and yang. Um, did you hit it off straight away? Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd say we did. This is the thing about Fox Kids. Nobody was going after each other's jobs. Right. Everybody was just cool. Mm. I don't want to say half the things that we would do because they'd get us in trouble. <laughs> Why not? Go to a movie during the middle of the day. New episode of that 70s show was on. Let's all six of us get in the office and watch it while no one's paying attention. It wasn't exactly like that. Oh, that kind of thing. Nice. Listen, I couldn't wait to get into the if record. But office. see, we <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. the other thing the other thing that was different, unlike at Disney at the time when I was there, there were three different departments. Mm. Well, we were all doing development, taking pitches, doing current programming, doing post-production. Yeah. We were doing all of those things. So we weren't competing. Yeah. And if there was any competition, it was with Fox Family Channel, which was on the other side of the hallway. Right. And that's who Kim and... That's who Kim and Brian worked yeah. for. But I was a stranger, but I was welcomed pretty much. Mm. So here is where it becomes a Bates story. We all like each other. It's a good place to work. Happy. Right. Made friends. Friends I'm still friends with now 20 years later. Mm. Right. That's the kind of place it was. One morning, there's a memo in my mail slot that I recognize. It's got Mickey on it. Hmm. Haim has sold to Disney. Oh, just that's how you find out, just with a little note. There have been rumors in right. and stuff, and I will not do... You see, <laughs> James is looking at me. Here's the thing. One of the other plays I was in in high school, I played Dracula. Now, I look like Bernie Sanders now. Again, then I had lush black hair. No more hair. At that point... My ability to do impersonations, everything within the first five words turns into Dracula. So, Mr. Saban, you want to do it? The memo. Oh, yeah, he sent a memo. He sent a memo a few weeks earlier saying there's rumors going around about me selling the company that James was going to quote in his Dracula voice is, what am I a moron? Right. <laughs> which is Liam's way of saying I'm be stupid to yeah. sell the company, which yeah. was all things to quell the rumors. And then two weeks later, there's Mickey Mouse on the yeah. memo. <laughs> so he's a moron. <laughs> and at that point, James and I become, you know, good friends. So here's the interesting thing. We didn't know. One of our other coworkers, Patrick, had been courted by Fox. Again, long story short, it's what you should call my episode here. Is that <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, all right. Done. <laughs> Done. Okay. <laughs> is there was still what you would call in the biz real estate. The shows yeah. that were airing that we were making, yeah. all those properties were bought by Disney. Mm. Disney now owned them, basically. Mm. But it's not like they turned off the show on Fox Affiliates. Mm. No, they still had another eight months mm. to a year to yeah. air on Fox channels. Mm. Well, Patrick, well, he needed a crew. And James and I were offered to go. Oh. So we had to make the decision, do we go? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, and then there's opportunity at Fox. 
for me, it's like, well, some of the old ghosts are still over there at Disney. Yeah, your soul's still in a closet somewhere, isn't it? It's in oh, the, in the, the uh, animation uh, building. Okay. Yeah, that joke's been around since 1995. I'd like to reiterate friends. it. James likes his old joke. So... <laughs> So We're basically, many of them. who knows if we had stayed, we might have been retained by Disney. Right. We might not have been, right. but we were being offered a chance to mm. go work on the mm. Die Hard building, mm. which oversees the Fox yeah. lot. Nakatomi Panaza. And of course, Plaza. with the carrot that we might be kept on. Right. So we both went and, and of course there was nothing there for us afterwards. There was, there was never anything there, but that's beside the point. So they, no, well, hold on. I just want to get into yeah. that. So you were uh, used and abused as a transition of people to just tie up the bows and yeah. You know, dot the T's and cross and the I's. Like, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. What's interesting is I was always an animation and Disney fan as a kid. Mm. I walked through college graduation wearing Mickey Mouse ears instead of a cap. Oh, dear. <laughs> I didn't expect to work for Disney animation no. when I came out, but I had done the animated films in college, so I get a job at Disney TV animation. But hold on a minute. Before I am sold yes. for a large amount of money to Disney, his IPs, yeah. one of those IPs was an incredibly successful show. Biggest show right. ever in kids' entertainment. Now, didn't that improve once you joined the team? Didn't that get better under you guys? Oh, I mean, well, wasn't that part of your legacy? Oh, as boy. This is the thing where I'm going to slightly predict that there's one way that you can have this be the most listened to episode of your podcast ever. <laughs> Carry on. That is for me to let the power rangers fandom know that they could listen to me talk yes because there's stuff i can't talk about why it doesn't do me any good and some of it's for legal purposes oh, okay. i mean i could talk about the process of making the show mm. but there was a lot of drama off screen mm. that's when i was head writer when i worked at fox kids i had nothing to do with power rangers except at the very very end when i was the final executive mm. i'd have to get a little check mark on a sheet saying that this passes standards and practices mm. but i will say the show is its own unique entertaining when it's at its best aspirational i mean it's not shakespeare no it's repurposed yeah. from a show and sometimes it doesn't necessarily match mm. it works the way good old godzilla movies go yeah, exactly modern godzilla movies mm. haven't succeeded it's because the appeal of godzilla that mm. really works that has worked for 70 years mm -hmm. it's the guy in a rubber suit to sakachi right to sakato to saka to sike we've done this before i know we'll have to go back and listen. All right, well, whatever. The art of <laughs> but, model so, making effect. But Power Rangers works on that level. And can I just quickly interject? Yeah. I, as you know, worked on the movie, yes. the reboot. I hate to say, not to slag the directors, it was too fucking serious. I will say... It failed miserably because of that. I'm going to refrain from comment well, as I may be gesturing. Right, that yes. You can't see. Yeah. Power Rangers, at its core, when it's been most successful, mm. so do the math, mm. it is an aspirational show. Like a kid doesn't have to buy an action figure. No. A kid can go out with a stick and yeah. that could be a sword. A kid My can, son, Lucas, that's what he does. Kid yeah. can, he, he loved it. If he's got marbles, he can grab marbles. Yeah. It's aspirational and teamwork. Mm. And the thing is, Mr. Saban gets a lot of grief in the fandom and he gets a lot of grief from different people and people don't see the show. The show works the way really satisfying fast food does. Mm. Yes. And I have friends from Disney who did versions when the show went to Disney mm. that aged it up. Mm. And it was when the biggest thing on television was the new Battlestar Galactica. Right. And so they went for an edgier tone and they made a great show. And the viewership didn't always follow because mm. 
in my opinion, what I think happened there, Disney and Nickelodeon, they wanted action shows. Mm. But I don't really talk anything about other Power Rangers series. Mm. Other fact that the viewership on their shows, for different reasons, mm. nothing was ever going to be as high as the days of Fox Kids before mm. the OJ trial. Mm. The OJ trial killed all kids' TV on broadcast. Interesting. Kids would come home from school and watch cartoons or watch Power Rangers. Yeah. Dave McDermott is one who pointed this out to me. Mm. But I'll say for myself, I think it's correct. You had the Disney after Afternoon, you had the kids WB and Fox Kids mm. that would give you great shows mm. when you came home from school. Mm. Whether it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Batman the Animated mm. Series, Animaniacs, all this kind of stuff. Mm. And then they got preempted for a year and a half mm. while OJ was on trial with Judge Ito. Fascinating. Yeah. Really is. Yeah. And after that, many of those affiliates were like, oh, well, this trial's over, but we got great ratings. Mm. So we're going to syndicate you name the person's talk show mm. or Jerry Springer mm. or whatever Oof. in those time right. slots. And so kids went to cable right. for tunes. But Fox Kids still prevailed and they stuck around and they mm. had the syndicated block yeah. and Disney Afternoon still around, but they never were as big as they were. Right. So, but Mr. Saban saw the opportunity, I think, when Disney had had Power Rangers for a while. Mm. He no longer had a network, mm. but he saw he could get Power Rangers back. Mm. And I think he has a basic philosophy for the show that is why it's successful. Mm. And this goes back to the movie. The movie... Mm tried to be for an older more broad range yeah. audience yeah. but the show when he bought it back it didn't depend on whatever season because the seasons are always different every mm. two years in japan some of them are more adult some of them are less some of them are themed on cops some are space rangers mm. some are samurai yeah so mr saban saw the opportunity hey i'm gonna buy it back from disney and he went to nickelodeon mm. and said you've been trying to do an action show why don't we make a real estate deal and i'll produce the show and you put it on your network Work. Mm. Now, Nickelodeon creates tons of great shows in-house, mm. but they made this deal. And one of Haim Saban's top executives was a guy named Brian. Mm. <laughs> now, he's a producer on the feature. He is now. He no, was on the, the feature that on. you worked on. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a producer. I'm sure I probably got an email from him then. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I do remember a Brian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hello, Brian. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, so to not go too deep yeah. into it, they had source material that wasn't very American. Mm. And they had a producer from the old days who mm. really liked that source material mm. and he had his way of doing things and he had some writers mm. just a couple mm. and they were making a show very close to the japanese mm. and it wasn't making everyone happy it's a collaborative thing mm. this is very diplomatic of you james <laughs> too diplomatic for this show <laughs> yeah so sorry just to cut in yeah. are you saying that the japanese culture and everything is obviously quite different from america yeah. in this iteration of power rangers as it was now yeah in this sort of it was very successful Disney had brought it because of that success, because of the toy sales, and then they kind of did their magic to it. He said that, not me. And then Hyam, I'd never met him. I've seen uh -huh. him on that Netflix show talking about yeah. for me. Power Rangers and the toys, and he seems very passionate and very yeah. creative producer, actually. So he took this thing back but it had been futzed about with so much, it would now have been more going towards a Japanese style of culture and storytelling. Well, last show Disney did, they were swinging for something a little bit aged up. Right, older. Now, Haim was very financially successful yeah. and creatively successful doing a version of the show that it includes girls, it's yeah. girl oh, heroes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it really targeted that toy buying market. Mm. I mean, when I was at Disney, I didn't realize that they generally don't make villain toys mm. or the female character toys because they don't sell. Really? Yeah. Well, at least back 
back in the day mm. because little boys are the ones that buy action yeah. figures yeah. and buy the vehicles. Mm. So we had a show that was based on ancestral samurai, mm. but Power Rangers tends to be high school. So that wasn't necessarily meshing, but it was a really good source material yes, show. Yes, it was. Very good show. But there aren't many ancestral samurai that live in Encino, mm. right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so yeah. it was how do you adapt it? And the producer, Jonathan Zakor, and his team that were there, they were keeping very close to the original source material. Their story editor had never written anything. She was a translator. Mm. Their one staff writer, she had written on Power Rangers before. Very nice, good to work with. And another writer who he was a newbie. Mm. And it was just these two writers trying to create the show. Wow. And when I got the call, again from Brian, mm. they were, I think it was six weeks from the start of production. Oof. And they wanted the scripts to be changed. Jeez. They had written 15 of them but i think mr saban wanted a fox kids sensibility mm. and fox kids is the original x-men the animated series nascar racers power rangers digimon digimon name some more james beetleborgs uh, yeah beetleborgs for sure it is aspirational fun superheroes good evil wrapped up pretty much in one episode mm. and if you sell a few toys that's okay too yeah but <laughs> just and so <laughs> brian would have to speak to himself but i believe the thought was okay we kind of got a crisis here mr saban is going to shut down things which cost money mm. and puts shoot dates and crews and sets and everything in new zealand right because it wasn't done there anymore was no. it they changed that disney yeah, yeah. yeah. i think that was a disney thing yeah it was disney uh, but there were sets being built mm. there were things being set up and suddenly you had scripts that weren't approved mm. so brian reached out to fox kids people and it was me our friend jonathan rosenthal who was another exec and dave mcdermott he reached mm. out to Dave couldn't make the meeting. Mm. So Jonathan and I went there and we watched a table read. The example I give is that they were really sticking to the Japanese show and mm. they're a group of five kids and there's the country girl and mm. she's a little bit klutzy. Mm. And then there's kind of the fun guy. Mm. Now they're going to have a little bit of a romance going on. Mm -hmm. But in the Japanese episode, she trips the fun guy and he, oh, oh, and she's like, oh my gosh, you know, she feels awful. I'm going to get you a flower poultice. <laughs> right. Seriously, in the yeah. Japanese. Yeah. Now, in the Japanese, it works. Yeah. I don't know if you want to explain what a flower poultice is, yeah. but it's an old timey way of healing something. Yeah, James uses it all the time. The farmers used to do. <laughs> well, I'm sitting there and they kept that. That was in the script. Yeah, that's old, isn't it? And I'm like, five year old American audience. Yeah. So I say, she should just go to the fridge and grab a bag of peas. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. You say that whilst you're there. Yeah. That's your first. Right. Okay. But that is one tiny example mm. of the kind of things that I was like, oh, do I have to be William Goldman to come up with that? Mm. No, but I do. So. <laughs> So Brian calls me later and I get along well enough with mm. everyone in the room. And he asked me, I need to bring in a head writer. Mm. And he's like, James, you know, writers, who do you bring in? I said, James Bates. Good man. Uh, there you go. And well, again, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was given the opportunity. It was going to be a short term thing. And I'm like, I'm going to punch up some scripts yeah. and I was going to get a small weekly salary and then a little bit of money each time script got approved. Oh. And we are basically now five weeks from production. Mm. No health insurance, of course. Freelance, right? <laughs> Freelance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, and what James can attest to, but I think I was given that job like on a Thursday, and by Monday, I rewrote the first three scripts. Wow. That's a pretty fast rewrite. Amazing. I know what the mission statement was. Mm. It wasn't to create James Bates's Power Rangers. Right. And it wasn't to create the producer's Power Rangers. Mm. It was Haim Saban's Power Rangers. And I knew his philosophy. But these scripts, in their dialogue, they weren't even using contractions. You cannot do that. It wasn't, you can't do that. Mm. So I did, and here's the thing. So the scripts went to Mr. Saban. 
And at this point, I'm still an infidel. Mm. I'm still being brought in against the current team's wishes. Really? But not against Haim's wishes? No, Haim was like, I need the show right, to get okay, done, right? Okay, right. And Brian, right. who I trusted, right. gave me a shot. And the producer had met me mm. and liked me well enough to say, oh, mm. okay, hey, if you want to force this guy on me. Mm. And Jeez. so Mr. Saban reads the script and I'm figuring... Yeah, I just made 1500 bucks. Mm. The three scripts were immediately approved. Wow. The show could start going into production in six weeks. So literally just by paying you, your genius, I'm going to say I don't use genius and you uh, in the same uh, sentence ever before, have literally, you've started production, you're saving money straight away. Nobody's hanging around, right? Sure. That's but, huge. Yeah, it's massive. So here's the thing I often will talk about on that job. Because I wanted to be, when I was 24, 25, I said, I want to be story editor by the time I'm 28. Right. Okay, so I'm 40 at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the latest thing I'd done, I'd written an episode of the best animated show. It was called Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm. And my episode was really well liked. This was going to get me back on the map. And then season two got canceled, even though mm. it was one of the top rated animated shows because Marvel wasn't money making <laughs> back huh? then. It's just that before this they is became... during the Bush financial crisis. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. so all of a sudden I come in and remember, Brian thinks of me as the action guy. Mm. So I was right for Power Rangers. Mr. Saban is just happy. Mm. This is what I like. Yeah. So and remember, it wasn't a page one rewrite. It's not mm. fair to say it was. But they got approved. Mm. So the producer's like, well, I can start shooting. Yeah. And this guy's not a total a-hole. Right. Didn't get rid of his original people, mm. which sometimes I think that might be necessary. Mm. So they were clutching to what they were doing, mm. which is different than what Mr. Saban wanted. Mm. But the truth is, is that we rewrote 15 episodes, wrote five new ones, mm. and did two clip shows in less than 110 days. Yeah. What's a clip show? Clip show is basically the wraparound. You've seen them. Mm. But hey, it's James's birthday. Birthday. So you and me and James sit around with a cake and we say, Whew, we're getting old. Mm. Remember that time when? Oh, and then they play a clip. And then we play a clip. Oh, yeah. clever. Yeah. So a flashback. And yeah. they were right. holiday. One was Halloween, one was Christmas. Huh. Power Rangers Hilarious. always did that. Right. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, and it? it was nuts because I was coordinating the back and forth. This is where you fished James out of the tank of dissolution. Now, Unfortunately, we become friends. And yeah. it, Unfortunately. I've noticed in the podcast is he doesn't tell his own horn. He's lost the art of the Jedi. Yeah, but he produced some anime shows, which helped me adapt material from another market. Yeah. And at that point, James was available. Mm. And I saw that if we were going to do that schedule, mm. and Jonathan Zakor, the producer, had known James. Mm. And he knew James had experience. Mm -hmm. And James is a likable enough guy. When you get him on the phone, you talk to him or whatever. <laughs> but I said to Jonathan, I said, if you need me to work on this pace, I need a coordinator here. Right. We had a script coordinator in New Zealand, right. but that's a whole different thing. Yeah. That's actually more of the production arm. I needed someone who's going to manage the scripts, not just read for typos. Mm. James got the gig and he mm. did everything from finding footage, doing some editing, yeah. the glue that really kept things together. You worked really hard, didn't you? I remember yeah. that. Well, that's the thing is, is and mm. because of the nature of the schedule. And because of the time difference too. And the fact that I would be working on 11 scripts at a time. Yeah. Mm. I remember that. Writing, story editing, developing, synopses, finding footage, figuring out. And ADR. And ADR on producer cuts, sweetening. And the thing is, during my time there, there were times where I was working on three different seasons at a time. Wow. Because of the schedule. I was working 70-hour weeks, and James was working 60-hour weeks mm. and on call. And mm. he could tell you stories about me sitting there with my head down on the desk, waiting for the producer or the mm. execs to call. 
and they barely agreed on things and I would have to fix things. But I still have people on social media every day talking about how horrible our show was. Mm. But I believe our seasons are the highest rated seasons yep. in the last 20 mm. years. There's a Time Magazine article about the financial success. And the truth is that doesn't make us the best series, doesn't mm. make us the worst series. No. But we had a mission statement to make Mr. Saban show. Right. And it was weird because we didn't get a lot of interference from Nickelodeon. Other than once when I wrote the kids going for ice cream, because that's what our producer liked to have in the celebrate, mm. and kids might get fat, so we had to change it to Froyo, Froyo, or celery, or something. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dear. After they save the world, they're not allowed to have ice cream. Wow. Yeah. But I'll say I have nothing negative to say about Mr. Saban. The producer and I butted heads because mm. of our schedule and our philosophies mm. and things like that. But I eventually left. Right. And I left because I was kind of forced to. Mm. I walked away because people I was working with were being treated poorly. Mm. I was also. Mm. And I said, we need to talk about how things are going. And it was used to have me yeah. leave that job. Yeah. James gave me one compliment and it was when we were working with someone who shall not be named who no matter what I did this person out of the blue would be contrary mm. and I told her what our schedule was like and James is in the trenches I was sniffing the underpants of success a little bit more I was totally. on the line you might have even have wrapped your head in there so even in my 70 hour weeks you know I was making a good living and yeah. I was kind of in charge yeah. and this person James went to her and said why do you do this and he told me later much later she knew it oh, yeah. right and she said i can't help myself i said he's really good at fixing things mm. and you go in when everything's right and jonathan has agreed it and you turn around and you throw in your little sprinkle of doubt and everything goes to shit and it and did said, we're in a time crunch here and the thing is is that there was no conviction mm. and the truth is is that she was a <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, is yes. that she was not the only one. I one of many. I wasn't there much longer. But our boss, as soon as she said something, it was like a dog whistle. And why so, was that? No idea. But the gist of it is, is that I was gone shortly after mm. for many reasons. Yeah. The point was, I wasn't writing what I wanted to. I was writing what I needed to. You're doing a job. The job was to fix what we could yeah. on that particular production yeah. because it was done a certain way and we were repurposing and we had a schedule. I was getting notes from upwards of 13 people. Yeah. That included Nickelodeon, mm. Standards and Practices, which thankfully we never had that many issues. Mm. But then Mr. Saban, and if there's a room, there's 20 of you in it, with Mr. Saban, he has 21 votes. Yeah, cool. But then my boss, who liked the Japanese material and wanted to stay close to that, this person who, no matter what I said, if I said the sky is blue, no, it's whatever. Teal. Yeah. And so my job wasn't to write James Bates's show. Yeah. My yeah. job was to write the show that I was being given. Yeah. And that's part of the job. And you have to be collaborative. And you know what? I'm not always right. No. I am. Shockingly. <laughs> and I really can't say much more about the Power Rangers mm. experience that I get myself in trouble. But I was that not in the middle of the tug of war. Mm. Well, I was going to say, you're in the middle of that. Yeah. Constantly. Mm. Right after that, within two years, I was writing on Lego Star Wars. Gwen Stefani had a really fun cartoon. I wrote a bunch of episodes of that. I was working pretty consistent. Mm. But even after I left Power Rangers, mm. they kept me on mm. to oversee some ADR stuff yeah. and they had me write some episodes. Mm. Okay, here's another fun thing is one of the things when you're adapting a show is you got all the source material. Mm. You don't do every episode. And so when we were developing this new series mm. which was mixing two different japanese shows together is it still in a power rangers yeah. realm it's power rangers yeah, yeah. Right. it's right. mixing two different power and they're completely opposites mm. and one show i didn't care for and the other show had its own challenges 
but it's considered like the best show they ever did. We're talking about the best show the Japanese ever did. Best show the Japanese yeah. ever did. Because of the way we had to mix things together, mm. American audiences consider it the worst series ever. Oh. Uh, just this week, it was said that I should be put in jail for the work I did on the show. Somebody said that? Oh, yeah. Harsh. Yeah. Back when I was on the show, I was impersonated on the web boards. Mm. But one of the few battles I won in that development room, there were five episodes of, let's say, there was Samurai, and then there was one that was kind of Guardian Angels, and there's Space Pirates. Mm. I won't go into all the Japanese stuff. I've seen the Space Pirates. Man. That's considered like the best show, maybe, mm. that they've ever done. But that done. was also their 40th anniversary. 40th anniversary, and it had all kinds of stuff we couldn't do. Mm. But what I'm going to say, the second season of Samurai is called Super Samurai. That's when I had the most influence and still had to do it in 140 days. Mm, yeah. But there's a really good storyline at the end where the villain has this big master plan. Well, the next Japanese series we're adapting, there are these five episodes where that villain on that show has a plan that's almost exactly the same. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I want to use the pirate show. But I'm like, these five episodes we can't use because it's the same. Mm. We can't do that. Yeah. I win that battle. Like one out of 20 is not bad. Mm. After I leave the show, they're like, James, we want you to come back. The only person in the world that can write this two-parter is you. Mm. Really important. And it's with one of your favorite characters. Like, okay. And you know, I'm just sitting there going, I'm underemployed now. Mm. Two episode fee and... You know what? I'll play nice. Mm. It's fine. Mm. And I cared about these characters. Mm. Okay, James, here's your footage. It's those five episodes. <laughs> That's what being a writer is. Yeah. Any way that you can get kicked below the belt, they'll find a way. Mm. But in hindsight, I'm not sure if this was a Kobayashi Maru. Oh. It's when Kirk is given the test that you can't pass. Right. Oh. And it's a test, and mm. then he cheats. Mm. Oh, is that like a... Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, in yeah. Yeah. He changes the... Yeah, well, yeah. this was a real Kobayashi right. Right. for me mm. at the time, and so I lost my job, but right. I kept my soul. I don't know if there was a different way that could have worked out, mm. but I also thought with the success that we had that I would have more opportunities to story edit. Mm. But the thing is, with the writing and the kick in the nuts... And yet, with this strike going on now, no, to make it clear, you're not affiliated with the... Oh, I'm not a WGA member. You're not a member. Right. Because you don't have to be to do what you do. Right. Oh, I wish they covered us. Oddly enough, they don't cover you. And I am shocked by that. that we is... don't get residuals. I have That's episodes... insane. I, I wrote on a show called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command yeah. that ran on Disney Channel for five years i've not a penny and it just blows me away james but nonetheless this is going on and a lot of people are not working and everything and i was just oh, talking yeah. to james the attitude towards writers and so even though i've read hundreds of scripts doing mm. my job there is a public opinion they're very well paid there's all these residuals and so on and so forth sure. do you find that affects you in your life <laughs> and the perception of what it is to be a writer you know we live in an industry town mm. so it's kind of different out here What's different being a writer is that everyone thinks they can do it. Mm. And the truth is, you know what? Who am I to say they can't? You know, I just helped produce a short film in the past two years mm. with James mm. and Peter Bruno. Mm. And oh, it was hacks. probably our 10th or 15th project that we've tried to get together. And it's the first one that got made. Mm. Now, I have another friend who his lovely wife just wrote a horror short. That's part of a competition in when Sally's movie get made. Oh, that's you know? not it's, it's Well, no, but I'm just saying. And it, that's just a joke, the, that whole the, situation. The way that you go into this, mm. it's one of those careers. My experience doesn't necessarily mean anything to mm. when you walk into a room. Mm. Because as soon as Final Draft came out mm. as a piece of software, mm. everyone can do it. Mm. If we all sat at a table and said, oh, sketch us something. Mm. People immediately mm. know that you're going to be a better artist. Mm. They see what you can do right there. But when it comes to writing, 
if you go into any bar and you go, mm. hey, looking for screenplays, mm. everyone's got one. Mm. And people see it as a lottery ticket. Mm. And that's me being a jerk because I've dedicated my life. I traded my entire life with my family in New Jersey to pursue this dream. I wrote 15 screenplays before I moved out here. Mm. But to get my script read, it's difficult. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because everyone else has one. Yeah. And everybody's, hey, here's a script, you know. Well, you go into Starbucks, yeah, didn't Starbucks. you? And everybody Every, was writing a script. And I always wondered where those scripts but went, you know considering what? the rubbish that's made. It doesn't necessarily mean that those scripts are bad. Mm. But it gets annoying because I picked the discipline that every one of my friends who is a director, they've written scripts. Yeah. Everybody who's an editor, they've written scripts. Yeah. But I have survived and it's perseverance mm. it's more uh what's the cliche perspiration over persecution uh, yeah persecution <laughs> yeah but no perseverance and one percent inspiration 99 percent perspiration that's the saying there ding ding is. i thank you that's it well, that's a message, everyone so here's the thing though is that i know what i do and the effort i put in and this is the avenue i've chosen mm. and it's the avenue that kind of chose me mm. and there's a lot of us out here that are peter pans right what do you mean by that most of my writer friends are definitely Peter Pans. James, you're a Peter Pan. How'd you figure? You don't look young anymore. <laughs> we're chasing the stream mm. and we're kids at heart and I should be selling insurance and writing scripts on the side. Mm. But no, I'm a writer. No, it's interesting you say that, just to interject, because from yeah. an artist's point, a so-called artist. And that's not an insult to insurance salesman. No, 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 no. That's an honest job. It's a skill. But I've basically given up the comfort and the idea. But it's not out of laziness. It's mm. because there's something that I do, and it, it's my calling. And see, this is the thing. I can hear my wife's eyes rolling. Yeah, just because, <laughs> you know, it's like la-di-da, you know, whatever. But the Peter Pan thing is, this is what I do. This is what I am. Right. And so if the business doesn't have any use for me... Mm. And now that I'm old and we haven't gotten into other reasons why I couldn't necessarily work a lot of honest jobs, some health yeah. issues or whatever. It's a bit touchy, that but unfortunately. There are things I'm really, really good at. Mm. And I found one and it's just getting past all those people at Starbucks mm. who are doing it as a lark. Mm. It's very hard to differentiate yourself just to get read. But also, are you in the right time place? Oh. Yeah. The right, how can I say, atmosphere of the employees in Hollywood. What are they looking for? Sure. It's not even if your story fits. It's if you fit ideological photo fit of what that writer should be sure. or from or wherever. And you know. the thing is, I don't know necessarily when it comes to your craft with storyboarding mm. or even just like set decorator or a costume designer. Mm. It's different when it comes to scripts because when it comes to like a costume designer, I think there's a lot of them. That they're not all 25 year olds. They're not all flavor of the month. And they physically can show you something right off the bat or do something. This is using that as an example. Where well, I think they're all very competitive i mean certainly for no, storyboards you can look every day and go look at that guy look at that girl look at what they can do it's just incredible artwork yeah. it's about who you know it's about mates helping well, you out yeah a lot of it certainly in my career mates helping you out no absolutely you and know? that's the thing is i've had a rough patch recently yeah. pandemic didn't help where people that have hired me again and again as a writer mm. either retired mm. or they have a show that is a staff right mm. now that there's no slots open. Yeah. There used to be more freelance opportunities than there are of late. Mm. I recently wrote a show. I don't think I can announce it, but as to say, it's a superhero show, mm. very successful. Mm. I snagged an episode of it and I get on the Zoom call with the story team mm. and there's another freelancer on it. One of the story editors that's hired me repeatedly, but he's just writing freelance mm. and yeah. he's a few years older than me mm. and he's brilliant. And I'm like, 
oh crap yeah if he is getting the gig that i'm normally going for yeah that's where i'm at right yeah, now yeah but the truth is is it all takes is one of these guys that have a show or mm. guys or gals who i've worked for before i'm available kind mm. of thing and they call me mm. at the right time mm. what i will say right after i wrote on lego star wars and the gwen stefani show i was given an opportunity to write for foreign companies doesn't pay as well it's not a union breaking thing or whatever and they jumped to hire me mm. they looked at my resume mm. and said star wars power rangers buzz lightyear penguins of madagascar they're like you'll write for us okay so i did an episode then he turned around and goes oh will you do 10 of them mm. now it's not disney it's mm. not warner mm. brothers not dreamworks mm. someone offers me 10 episodes mm. and they like what i did mm. so it was a new avenue mm. and i ended up writing a third of that entire series and so that's been an interesting new thing where some other countries i've never been asked to write anything that goes against my political or mm. democracy mm. Or, <laughs> or things because i would have mm. a problem mm. but would you to survive probably not and in the 10 years, I've only had one chance, mm. and that was developing a show. Mm. And that could have turned into another big gig. Mm. And the show just didn't go. Yeah. And that happens. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. I have a friend of mine who's a screenwriter, and many, many, many scripts have been written. Oh, I that's mean, to a... write a script, I mean, I can draw boards and it'll do a drawing, and it's not that tough. But to write a screenplay, oh. and then it just goes poof. And then worse, that that idea can drift into somebody else's. Oh, right. the script I've had options seven times. Sexy horror one. Mm. It's because there's a raw energy to it that's very producible. Yeah. It was a company that did genre, low mm. budget, sexy movies. Yeah. And the boss went to Europe. He came back and said, I'm changing the whole company. Uh, We're going to do children's movies now. Oh, my God. Right. I had a deal. And at that time, it was $26,000. That was FU money. Nothing to sniff at. Yeah. No. But this is 1995. I mean, yeah. this was going to happen. I mean, it had a famous Hollywood guy's son was going to direct. Really? Rock and roll star's girlfriend was going to be the actor. And oh. the thing is, it's a fun script. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of dated now and it's not very PC. And it just didn't happen. Mm. And a version of it got made by someone who stole it from me. Oh, but you never pursued that legally. Oh, my career would be over. Mm -hmm. I had a major company steal an outline from me recently. Right. And my wonderful agents found out about it. And I ended up getting a story credit and a little bit of money. But I won't say anything more about it than that because it's just a stinky situation. Mm -hmm. And that happened to me one other time where something wasn't stolen. It was borrowed. You do 160 <laughs> episodes, you're going to have some experiences where someone is doing something and they might not even be doing it because they're evil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just doing it because mm. they don't have a more compass mm. or the production needs it to be done mm. and you're mm. a little fish got any thoughts about this whole ai chat GPT oh gosh yeah. this situation yeah. you know it's fascinating i have received some inquiries probably generated by ai right <laughs> from companies i'm looking to make a film about the end of I man think these companies <laughs> yeah. through linkedin right yeah. it might be through linkedin they're sniffing around people like me mm. who've done adaptations. They see I've worked on 38 different shows. Right. They don't flat out say, but it's kind of like, help us mm. replace you. Yeah. Or we're going to give you something that Skynet has written mm. and you just do a polish on it. <laughs> you know. So what's funny is I had dinner with one of those college friends and he's got a buddy back in Jersey who loves Jaws. We yeah. all love Jaws. It's a big part of your podcast. Good show goes, on oh. about in Broadway so at the moment. Yeah, he yeah. said, uh, <laughs> oh, you got to tell you, this is what I did. I guess it was chat. Yeah, chat bot. Chat it must have been chat. Yeah. He basically said, write me a sequel to Jaws starring, and he named his buddy mm. and his buddy's kids. Yeah. And it did a three act outline. Yeah. That wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then he goes, add in uncle, and he named himself, mm. who comes in to save the day. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it gave him a whole outline that you could write a feature to. And, yeah. and how long did it take it to do that? Seconds, James. Seconds. We did it. Me yeah. and Sal, we tried it. I gave yeah. him a story outline from yeah. a story I had. And it just seconds. did it like that, like a typewriter on speed. Because here's what it's doing. It's just sourcing other people's yeah. actual work. Of course work. it is. Yeah. And it's plagiarizing. How else? I haven't messed with it. What I did mess with was I got the free invite <laughs> to so one of our artist uh, <laughs> friends who's a legendary comic book and animation artist. Yeah. He said, Look what I did on this. Yeah. And he put in the basic, and I didn't know. Probably in his style. No, he said, this is what I put in. Mm. In a style of an 80s comic book, a mm -hmm. cover that features this and that, you know, that kind of thing. So I said, you know, James, Peter, and I made that short film. We have another one we'd like to make. We should do a press kit in case we meet someone who's willing to invest. Mm. We can show them the movie that we already made mm. and how we made it on a low budget on an iPhone. Basically, we can use the press kit we use for that. But mm. then we just add in the new script, mm -hmm. something I wrote. But you know what? For the press kit, we have the poster for the movie that we made. We just need art of mm. a couple characters, a couple yeah. funny situations. So I said, let me just type that in. Yeah. I'll tell you this. They can't do humans yet. Well, humans all look like using? characters. Are you using mid-journey? You have to use the ones you pay for. No, no, this this was a free one. Yeah. This You're was never going to get it. My sister tried it with the free one. You will not get it. Yeah. You have to pay for it, mid-journey and Dali. Yeah. And you have to pay the subscription. Then you will get When oh. I got more conceptual with something, did an okay job. Mm. But anything with humans, it was strange because they all looked like victims either in the ring mm. or in the grudge. The grudge. Yeah. yeah. Well, they the, do. Every time you look at the images, there's this very sort of forced kind of photo real but it's kind of made of spaghetti it's very strange but, eyes, but that will change eyes, give it a year well or that's two. and that's I that's realized, the problem right and the thing is it was like oh we'll give you 30 attempts for free and mm. then the next day Oh, no, you can have 100 attempts. I'm helping them. Oh, yeah. Develop Anybody it. who subscribes, this is an announcement, yeah. you subscribe to that, you're paying them for scalping, which is what they did. Yeah. They're taking yeah. existing artwork, yeah. throwing it into an algorithm. And I've seen friends on Facebook, makeup artists. No, look at this AI art I did. And it says, no, you didn't do it. Sorry, you might have airbrushed over it a bit oh, with Photoshop. You didn't do it. No, I, okay? I did. End of. We haven't even talked about the fact that I'm a crazy cat person. I have one cat that's very photogenic that everyone loves. He's this particular kind of cat. So I put in Norwegian forest cat with a fish hmm. in the style of the Dutch masters. <laughs> and it gave me four different versions. Hmm. And they weren't bad. No. Because they weren't no. humans. No. So they added in dust color, like he's the mm. beige, tanny yeah. type color. And it had one where it gave him a fork mm. and a tuna can. Right. And that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I posted them saying, I'm testing my replacement. Mm. Did you? I forgot to ago. dislike them because yeah. they're AI. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But that's the thing is, is that the more you learn about AI, mm. and so this is one of the things about the strike. Yeah. If you remember the 2008 strike, the big thing then mm. that we kind of saw coming was streaming. Yes. Writer's pay has been based on a simple model, and it's a model that helps producers, yeah. where you do get paid when you do the work. But you don't get paid fully what you're worth. Mm. What you do on the back end, you get residuals. Mm -hmm. So if the show's successful, if you wrote five episodes of Big Bang Theory, you never need to work again. Yeah. But when it comes to being a writer, technically, I guess in the paperwork, it's for network mm. or even cable. Mm. Maybe the strike from 1983 mm. covered that. Mm. Streaming's not part of it. Mm. And so the companies now are messing with that mm. rather than just saying the whole pay model has to change. So... If part of the pay structure that WGA has negotiated is treatment. Treatment is, for anyone who might not know, that's your outline written as a narrative form, not just bullet points. Yeah. Well, you know what? As a producer, I know the bullet points 
that I want because I'm the producer, right? Why do I need to hire a writer to write the treatment? Mm. Let me put the bullet points in the chat. Yeah. And that writes it. And you know what? Your log lines and all that. It's going to write you mm. a 20-page narrative mm. version, mm -hmm. like the short story of your movie. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Yeah, it's not quite right. Mm. But then I hire a writer or I have my development executive or I polish that up. Mm -hmm. And then I hand it to a screenwriter mm. who writes the script. Mm. But then I don't have to pay the writer to write the treatment. Right. I can offer them less. Yeah. Well, this all has to be covered. That's the problem. The whole right. cake is being just, just sliced. Yes. Right. And if somebody said on Facebook is that I didn't know that robots were going to actually do the painting and the writing and we were going to be doing the shit jobs that we were hoping the robots were going to right. do yes. yes and that's yeah. the bizarre way it's going and it goes back to now i think less sympathy for <laughs> writers out there mm. than i had wished there would have been yeah because every time i go visit people back home mm. and i go out for beer with high school friends mm. you know what happens everyone pitches me their script idea because mm. everyone's a writer yeah so the idea that the human element in it I would hope people understand the importance of that. Mm. But if you have a, the Library of Alexandria mm. all inputted in and the algorithms know how to steal that little bit and that little bit from a story, you need a hack like me to do that, to have a have soul. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I've put in the soul and the effort mm. to have a writing career. So sometimes it irks me when everyone thinks they can do it. But yeah. that doesn't mean they no. can't. No. And I think a lot of people treat it like a lottery ticket because mm. they think they can do it. This yeah. is me on my high horse, right? Oh, you're Stephen King. Right. And the thing is, is that you then think, oh, AI can be a shortcut. Mm. But then there's, what's it called? Schnaffenfreude. The German uh, Schadenfreude. Schaden yeah. Schadenfreude. Uh, yeah. Apple strudel. I'm sure we all said that wrong. Yeah. Something's strudel. Schadenfreude. But the idea is that oh. you're, you're getting these people going, ah, fuck you, you artists, you have your skill. And now I can sit there like a monkey and type three words and I can draw too. I can write. There's that Schnaffenfreude about it, that kind of enjoyment well, of people's suffering who've studied art and I, creating I, these I'm, things. There's this laughter at it. Speaking the spirit of your podcast about about, you know, being on the wrong side of Hollywood. Mm. We all have a shared experience in the last 10 years of losing a parent or losing yeah. family. But we all also have done the same thing, the three of us in this room right now, that we traded a life that we could have had with family and friends to do this. Mm. And now a computer is going to replace me yeah. when I'm in my prime. Yeah. I hope not. But <laughs> way to end on a high note, James. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> well, that's a... no, it's true. Yeah. You don't hear this, no. I think, in a general discourse, or certainly not on podcasts where it's all, yeah. you've done really well. Da, la, 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 la. Oh, well you have to say what a lot of people are thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't mean it's true and it doesn't mean it will come true, but it's people's thoughts. Yeah. But it's such a weird world. I'm doing what I've wanted to do since I was 12 years old. Mm. I didn't necessarily think, you know, I still would like to direct something someday, mm. but how it crystallized crystallized for me through all the things I've battled about for probably two hours now was to become a screenwriter. Mm. You know, my grammar and my syntax and all that stuff. I could probably write good novels, but you know what? That's not where I'm strongest. Mm. Well, James. Thanks, mate. Thank you for making a long story short. Uh, I'm sure that was, <laughs> that was, uh, that three, was hours. No. three and a half hours, and I'm sure you can turn it into 45 minutes of nonsense. Bit of snipping. James is the rabbi of sound editing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> James, thank you. Seriously, yeah, thanks, appreciate mate. you coming in. Learned a lot uh, well, I, about it's, your It's past. an honor to be included, even though I've got the British name. My DNA test, which everyone knew that it was Greek, Polish, Italian. No, I'm Polish, and the rest is British and Irish. British and Irish, huh? Yeah. yeah. How much English? Yeah. Probably at least 30, 40%. Hmm. Well, bottom half of the But, I, but, it, but, but <laughs> that, 
<laughs> no, but 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 uh, but I know Irish. I can go back there. Well, at least you might be able to get your Irish passport if you ever need to leave this. Oh, uh, I don't think I have that much proof. Were you related to Ian Paisley? But uh, your yeah. Welsh is getting better and better. Oh, great! Oh no, no, I'm Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bloody hell. Oh, no, sorry. No, I, I hope you turned into Count Dracula. Disaster. <laughs> See, and I, I, I... The Hindenburg of voice impressions. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Look, I'm looking at my notes. I didn't yeah. even tell you about writing for a superstar. Hey? Yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah you know all, what? Yeah. He delivered one line, and I never met him, and I'm not going to tell the world who it is right now. He's a bit of an icon, though, isn't he? He is a bit of an icon. <laughs> but I, I, I don't... Uh... <laughs> But you know what, Martin? You, you can, we can talk about my life, but you can never take away my freedom. No, absolutely to not. Talk about oh, no, God. my sugar titty. My heart's friend. not brave. My my heart my my heart's not brave enough to let people know who Your I work for. Your words are lethal weapons, man. <laughs> His company was very nice. They're very nice people. Yeah, and no it was doubt. a really sweet project that had none of those issues. And so it was a passion. <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note yeah. James thank you very much for coming uh, appreciate you being yeah, here thanks James well, thanks Excellent. guys I hope you can use some of this no no totally <laughs> totally thank you Jimbo before we go we bring you our fuck chat fuck chat fuck chat fact check segment here with the benefit of hindsight and editing we can own up to our mistakes <laughs> Right, mate, tokusatsu. We've done this before. Is a Japanese term for live action film or television series that makes heavy use of practical special effects developed by Godzilla and Ultraman creator Iji Tsuburaya. Yeah, something like that. And Martin, yes. Schadenfreude is the correct way to say the word, apparently. I'll probably have some German friends chime in on this. But it means to seek joy in other people's misfortune. I think we all do have a little bit of that little titter at somebody else's upsy-daisy. I know. Yeah. That's what makes life worth living, it isn't it? It does. It's not nasty, it's just, you know, fun. See you next time. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.